Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skip Meetings, the podcast for curious planners embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Nevsh and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skip Meetings. And in this episode titled The Evolution of Virtual Events, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marin van Buren, the CEO of EventMender. Our conversation is about how virtual events have evolved, including how audience expectations have changed and how event technology has advanced in the last few years. We talk about how virtual events went from the reluctant pivoting of in-person events to high-level online productions. We talk about how virtual audiences have evolved and expect much more from events today. Why personalization is the key to really impressing event participants. Why listening closely to event professionals is so important to developing successful event tech products. And why the industry needs to break outside its bubble to really evolve. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast. You can find them on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Welcome to today's episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Murin Van Buren, the CEO of EventMender. Murin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Miguel. It's a pleasure to be here. Like, I'm very grateful that you asked me to be a guest on your podcast, um, especially like Skiff Meetings, one of the biggest names in the industry. So I was really honored that you asked me and I'm looking forward to having a good conversation. Great stuff, and uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, just want to start with, with an introduction. I uh, we've not met many, you know, very long time ago at all. Um, so would love to kind of get your background, a little bit of uh, how you ended up in this kind of event world. Um, I, I always like to start kind of like by the first moment when you realize there was such a thing as an event industry. Uh, and just take me through a little bit of your journey. I know you were very active with virtual events during the pandemic period, but would love to kind of you know start wherever you want to start and kind of take us through that in in a nutshell. Uh, it it was quite a long time ago that I got introduced to the event industry. I actually started the moment I was able to work. I started to work in restaurants and then a lot more catering, and that eventually came to also me. Um, catering on events that were more like festivals which i really loved um on the other hand i was always very busy with music i did a lot of djing um as a hobby but that resulted in all my friends the moment there was a birthday party or whatever they were like oh you come and you provide the music and i love to do that so that's kind of the entertainment side of it and how i got to where i am today is mainly because at a certain point uh, it was in my minor i was doing a minor designful innovation which had kind of the goal to change the life of one billion people so you had to think big think outside of the box and um, i think that 
plays a very big part in who I am today, how I look at things. Um, it really opened my eyes in terms of the possibilities and approach to building a business, uh, connecting, providing experiences. And yeah, I actually, uh, from there, ended up at a physical event company. Um, they were doing very good. Uh, they had about 22 events every year. And but, just for reference, kind of yes. what time, you know, when are we talking about here? How long ago was this? Um, when I worked there, that was like pretty much a month before the pandemic happened um, mm -hmm. that I ended up at that company. And this was um, in-person events, right? The company that was in-person events, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I got started there um, with the main goal to find ways how we could add additional value to sponsorships. So and you were working on the sponsorship side, like finding, selling sponsorships and finding different ways of, of kind of including sponsors in events. That's correct. And how they could add more value to those sponsors and find a way to get outside of the cost-based approach and more into the added value that they bring to uh, an exhibitor. Um, so it was a very interesting project, but uh, a month in that they got the bad news that everything was locked down and their biggest event that was supposed to be in America um, was canceled. And they had about two weeks to figure out a way how they could pretty much dodge the um, return all the sponsorship value because it was about two million involved. Um, for them, it was a very big chunk of their revenue. So they really had to find a way. And in one of my previous um, jobs that I did, I helped um, a blockchain consultancy firm to set up online investor meetings via Zoom. So I was like, why don't we do something like that? And within the company, everyone was like, ah, we never have done anything like that. But if you can find a solution that retains all the sponsorship value, be our guest, you know, make sure that it happened. So within two weeks, I did a lot of research. I quickly find out, found out that Zoom wasn't the way to go. We needed to have a place where we could kind of show the exhibitors, um, also welcome the guests, have more of a networking aspect to it. And in Zoom at that point, there was no way of making that happen. Um, and I got in touch with the event app company that they were working with. And they were like, oh, that's interesting because we're building this platform and we think it would be a great fit. We just haven't launched it yet, but if you want to be the first one to try it out, let's do it. And that's what we did. Two weeks later, we launched the event. It was quite of a struggle to make it happen because it was new for everyone at that company. And also for the event application, it was a lot of uncertainties, but we pulled it off. Everyone was very happy. We were able to retain all the sponsorship values. And for me, kind of a light spark. So I was like, you're the first one in your industry. They were in the solar industry to do this. And if there is a point in time to get ahead of all your competitors, it's to go full all in on this. But the management thought that in a week or so, we would be back to in person. And obviously that didn't happen, but it took them about four months to finally realize that they should put a bit more effort into virtual. At the same time, another company reached out and they said, hey, I saw you did this for the company you're working at. And can you also do that for us? And that's where kind of a second light bulb went on. And I thought there must be a lot more event organizers struggling with this. I'm by no means an expert, but I have done it. It was a success. So let's help uh, 
as many people as possible. And that's where I started my own company. At that point, it was called Virtual Positive because we wanted to make everyone positive about the virtual technology that was out there. And I've experienced that for about one and a half year. Um, yeah, a little bit more. And then I realized there must be a better way to do it, mainly because I ran into the fact that there are so many platforms out there. How do you ever find the right one, uh, especially when they keep updating, keep adding features? Um, but yeah, also because I wanted to help a lot more companies than just the hand few that the handful that I was able to with my own time. Um, so give us a little yeah. bit more context, like what kind of services were you doing? Were you kind of behind the scenes managing the event? Was it more like the AV side or what what, what kind of thing were you doing? It was at that point fully virtual. So there wasn't a lot of AV going on, but it was pretty much everything from planning the event to setting up the event platform to onboarding the attendees, onboarding the exhibitors, onboarding the speakers, being there during the event, being technical support of every role under the sun for virtual events. Specifically. So a lot of video calls, right? A lot of connecting oh, with people and yeah, saying the same things over and over again. I, I've heard myself repeat so many times that I thought at a certain point there's an echo going on, but no, really it was uh, a lot, by, but because it was such fast-paced, like it needed to be done soon and quick and so you couldn't really overthink it and that's where you know you learn the most because you just have to go with it um i like that because it's also the iterative approach as i mentioned in the design and innovation that i got introduced to to just put it out there put it in front of people and see how they interact and improve based on that that rather than just thinking you have the the best concept out there and that's what it's going to be just test as much as much as possible, as fast as possible, fail fast, improve fast. That's kind of the approach. Yeah. Um, and that I've I've never learned so much in in just one year. It, it was yeah. insane. Let me let me ask you something. If you now think about this this first event or the sort of first set of events that you did, and the events that maybe you're producing today or the last event that you worked on, how does it compare? Uh, day and night, <laughs> like literally day and night um, on on every aspect, because in the beginning it was like, uh, we're just going to try something. Um, this is what we think we should do. And then as you go, you learn that, for instance, with onboarding someone, um, there are a lot of things that indeed you have to repeat, repeat. So there must be a better way to give them that information, make it more actionable for them, but also in terms of um, you really got aware of the fact that because you're on the screen, it's more difficult to establish a connection with your attendees, with the participants on your event. Um, and how do you find ways to make fun interactions so that they actually are more willing to participate and be part of the event rather than just watch a screen? Um, and that's something like yeah, the first event we we experimented a lot so there were a lot of ideas that we came up with that ended up not being the best and a few that actually worked and then we implemented those in the next event and tested a few other ideas and then at a certain point you come to well, not the golden standard because you always keep improving but you have a few tips and tricks that always work that always activate your audience that always makes them 
um, immersed in your experience, even though it's only a screen. And so, yeah. Can you give us an example also, of, of one of these tips and tricks? Maybe something that's a bit more unusual? Um, well, the most unusual that I've seen was really, um, we were doing this event. It was a summit for uh, a food company, actually. Um, and they are quite big. It's a, it's a Dutch company. So they had about 400 people uh, attending there. And we just came up with an idea to find a solution to how can we make them um, be more active in the chat. And then we just put some, not per se very um, business-wise uh, messages, a lot more personal, a lot more playful, a lot more... I wouldn't say provoking, but uh, things in the in the chat, in their DMs that got them to think. And that really started off a conversation outside of the event going on, which participants after the event was done, they were like, I've never had such a good connection in a virtual event, mainly because it was not just focused on the business, but also a lot of fun things that we implemented that were very relevant for them in the food industry, but not in a business perspective. So more on a personal level, um, like it, this was mainly on the, the vegan side. So we put a lot of bonds in there regarding, um, yeah, how, how do you like your, your vegan patty, those kind of things. And it's a very small thing. But that really gets people like, hey, this is not a an average event. It is they it sparked some engagement. And that's something we implemented many times. Obviously, we've done quite a lot of smaller breakout sessions regarding topics. That was very fun as well because people got to get to know each other a lot better. But in terms of what really was not your average solution, I think that was a very great way to more or less provoke people to get into a conversation with each other um, in a very nice. informal way. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. In terms of the audience, um, do you feel like audiences are, are quite different today than they were um, you know, in April 2020 or whenever you sort of started doing these events? Um, yes, in terms of a lot of people are now used to either because they have worked a lot and they have done a lot of work meetings online or they have actually participated in quite a lot of events that in terms of the technical questions, you don't have to a lot less than you have had to do before. There are still, even today, there are still people that participate in their first virtual event. I, after doing quite a lot of events, I was like, it's not even possible. Everyone has done a virtual event by now, but it still happens. Although that also means that the expectations has cha have changed because in the beginning, um, internet may have been laggy. There may have been a speaker that was not audible or their camera was in a very crazy angle. Um, the, the quality in general was a lot lower and people were okay with it because that was kind of the standard. They were like, oh, that's how a virtual event is supposed to be. And then along the road, if they got introduced to higher quality events, when they then came back, they were like, hey, 
Uh, this is not supposed to be the way. Why are you lagging? Why is your internet connection not stable? It kind of became uh, a much higher standard from an attendee perspective, also in terms of being engaged. Because in the beginning, as I mentioned, we were all kind of figuring it out. We obviously have a few in the industry that were doing virtual or broadcasting events uh, for a longer time. So they were a lot more experienced than we were, but majority of the industry were just trying to figure this out. Um, and as we went, people were thinking so much outside of the box that it became harder and harder to really surprise a participant to make them feel like, oh, this is something I've never seen before, uh, because there's only so much you can do with a virtual environment. So you really have to be creative. How make how can you make those tools work in a way that wows your participants, that gives them a, a wow moment where they're like, this is an amazing event. I've never seen this before. And in the beginning, everything was wow because, oh, it is virtual. But then because after a year, one and a half year, it became more or less the standard. Um, that really made it hard to keep your event standing out. And obviously you can customize a lot, but that doesn't do 100% of the experience. You know, it also is about the content, which is great, but there also, yeah, you could no longer do a, an hour long presentation because the attention spans were in general a lot shorter, but also a lot of people, you know, they still had to do a lot of jars around the house and maybe they have 20 minutes to listen to your presentation. Um, but then after that, they want to get off, get a coffee, uh, do some chores in the house. Um, and that made it, yeah, we've seen quite a lot of changes, especially in such a short period of time in terms of quality standards, in terms of wow factors and ex uh, like what they expect, the expectations of your attendees from you as an event organizer. At a certain point, it was like the sky is the limit. They expected some, most of the time, like a 3D virtual space where they could see each other. And then, um, yeah, we went mainly with 2D platforms. That's just not possible in that uh, environment. So how can you then still make those attendees wowed of their experience in a relative plain environment? Um, yeah, nice challenge. So if if you were to, I like this concept of taking an event that's good and making it great, you know, really kind of, I guess, really wowing or really exceeding expectations. If you had to choose kind of one thing or one area that you think is very important to, to make that transition from good to great, what would you pick as, as kind of the key area? Personalization. On, on number one, um, you can do a great experience and a really big wow factor, but if that's not aligned with who your audience, your attendees are, um, it's not going to land very well. So it really has to be personalized to them an experience that wows them in their context, in the point of their customer journey, event journey, however you want to call it, where they are at that point and really have it tailor made as as tailor made as possible not just one size fits all but really have smaller personalized experiences 
it can be as much as just sending a personalized message in the chat and ask how they are doing and hey i've seen you are on the event for so and so much time uh, how are you liking it a very personalized approach making them feel seen feel heard feel part of the event and not just stream make it that i, I like to call it the two-way stream because we're obviously talking virtual um it's not just one side just sending it's also receiving and talking with your attendees and because it's virtual it's a lot easier to actually do it it's not like in a physical event where you have to walk around and try to talk to everyone whilst they're also going all places you can just find their profile send them a personalized message um, and that is something that really takes your event from good to great love that i think there's some good examples there are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So fun question for you, which which we were kind of going back a little bit, but how do you explain to your family and friends what you do? And I mean, people who are outside of the industry. Um, like the shortest version is I match event professionals with the right platform so they can make the most out of their virtual events. Okay, that, that seems to work. So tell us a little bit about event mender. So this is all the production side is something. Do you still do the event production or is that something you've completely stopped now? I would love to have the time to do it, but at the moment event mender is taking all of my resources, all of my time. Um okay. because I really feel that this tool could be the next thing for event professionals, really help the industry. And it's worth putting in my time. But the moment that it gets a bit more scalable and I've grown a little bit more of a team, I would love to also get back to actually organizing events because I, I really love doing it. Okay. So event mender, um, you know, skiff meetings or pre previously event MB, we had a massive influx of people coming to the site and, and connecting with us on social, etc. And it was all about finding the right platform, right? It was all during this kind of intense period of pivoting and, and kind of going to virtual. Uh, I think also platforms have evolved a lot since then. As you said, it's quite challenging to keep track of all the features that each platform has. Uh, and also even, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but comparing between features. A lot of platforms say, yes, we have this feature, but then when you look at them and compare them across platforms, they can be very different in terms of you know how they work and 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 you know how well they work as well but this was a big question a big issue that everybody had how do i find the right platform and as far as i understand this is what you're trying to solve in a in a semi-automated way so tell us a little bit about how this came about and the development so far well it was mainly because i was struggling with it myself um because you know we were looking for that next level of wow factor um and in that regard also the personalization and finding a platform which experience matches the best which would match the event goals that 
the event uh, professional that I was working with had in mind. And yeah, there was no tool out there. Obviously, you have a G2, you have a lot of listing websites, directories. It's great. You can see a lot of the platforms out there, but it doesn't assist you in translating those features, those platforms to which one is the best match for my event goals. And out of that frustration, I kind of went to the industry. I started to do a lot more on LinkedIn and get in touch with different event professionals from different, excuse me, from different backgrounds. And because I wanted to validate is, am I the only one having this problem or is it really a problem out there? And it was, I haven't met anyone who was like, no, this is not a problem. Like for every event professional, they were like, yeah, we know it. We're struggling with it. It's, it's not there. We spent so much time going on Google, making a whole Excel sheet for ourselves that the moment we have finalized it, it kind of already has changed because everyone added features or maybe platforms merged. Um, It's constantly changing and they didn't have the time to do it. And I can totally understand that because I've been there as well. Um, So yeah, that's where I started to get in touch with someone I actually also worked with who I said like, this is my problem or this is the problem I see. I would love to do it, but I I don't make enough at that point. I didn't make enough to really have an investment to do this and say, I'm not going to work on events anymore for a year or longer to build this platform. And he was able to become my angel investor um, based upon the idea, based upon the connections that I made, the conversations that I had. And that gave me the freedom to actually start testing and building a prototype, a clickable prototype. We have to have different iterations. And then when we settled on this should be more or less it, we build a minimum valuable product. We launched that about three months ago. Um, <clears throat> it was a soft launch because we wanted to first see if what we have gathered from our all our previous iterations actually made sense so we have a small group of event professionals that is testing with us in the testing tribe um, just to get out all the bugs and user experience glitches that at the moment are still present um, and yeah it's a minimum valuable product so it's not full-fledged pr- platform yet but we have gotten quite a step uh, in the good direction uh, we are currently asking six simple questions which is not as sophisticated as I want it to be because I really wanted to go into your event goals and as you mentioned, even be able to distinguish different features from each other. That will obviously come, um, but we're not there yet. Uh, At the moment, it's pretty simple. How big is your event? How many days is it? What kind of experience would you like to have? Is it 2D, 3D? what kind of level of support do you expect from the platform? Um, and what is your budget? And then based upon six questions, we narrow down the results. Instead of having that whole list, you only get the results that 100% match your input. And at the same time, we're also making the pricing a lot more transparent, which luckily a lot of a lot more platforms are doing at the moment, but it's still difficult. So that's also something that in our website you can actually see that 
Um, and yeah, we are actually pretty much getting started on the version two um, from September. So at the moment of this recording from tomorrow onward, we're starting with the roadmap for the second version. We are going to add um, quite a lot. There's a lot that needs to be improved in terms of the user experience. The comparison tool right now allows you to have three platforms side by side, but it's still difficult to really see which features overlap and which one differ because everything is in a different order. So we're going to make it a lot more consistent. Um, and adding a lot more clarity. We use G2 to gather the reviews at the moment because we don't have the cloud at the moment to gather all the reviews ourselves, um, which they have a great embed link that they, the platforms can put there. So we have a bit of social proof as well. And we want to improve that by kind of adding all the different review softwares out there, G2, Coptera, TrustSource, um, uh, SourceForge, sorry, um, TrustRadius, everything on one place. So you really can see, you don't have to go to any other platform, only to our platform, and you see exactly what you need to see. The platform, These are the ambitious features. plans, and I'm sure that the bigger conversation that you're having is how to make the user experience simple while having all yes. this power under the hood, right? It is a... Uh, a very nice challenge and i'm very very grateful that we have uh, such a big group of event professionals that actually provide us consistent input on how to improve it because we really want to make it a tool for event professionals by event professionals i i love to say that i'm an event professional but i'm i'm nowhere near uh, some of the people in that group that have 15 20 years of experience and i think it's very important to listen to them and see how we can cater to their needs rather than thinking what I or building what I think should be built. Um, and so far, that's, uh, that's going pretty well. So what is the kind of dream version of this? I mean, anybody can, it's easy to go on the website and kind of try it out. And, and, and it's pretty simple. I did one this morning just to try it out. So I, I tested it. I, I've seen it work. Um, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but at the moment it feels like a bit of a kind of a, a quite advanced filter of all the platforms that you have on there, right? Like you have these six filters and then you kind of like find the ones that kind of match, right? Which is great, which is useful, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But where do you, where would you like to kind of ultimately see this? The ultimate goal, um, I think you are aware of the, the AI, um, visual generators uh, that are out there, which are already doing a great job. I would love to have a tool that pretty much is that. So either you fill in in text or you fill in by your voice. You say, I was thinking to organize an event for so many people. This should be, um, these are my event goals. This is what I envisioned the, the ambience to be. Um, here's where I wanted to do it. It's in this kind of format. And based upon that, it generates more or less the event for you, or at least like a, a blueprint for you where you can obviously adjust and then have everything you need for that event in one place. So not just the virtual event platform, but also the AV providers, the event professionals that can help you pull it off, that are in that area, that have that expertise, um, all the equipment you need, uh, the venue you would need in case you do it in person or uh, hybrid, it should have for any type of event, everything you would need in one place that is the end goal it's obviously 
a long shot, but that's what we're aiming for and that's what we're going for. I like it. It's a, it's a big dream. It's not just we want to build a tool that helps you find the right platform. It's we want to build a tool that helps you create the perfect event or if that if such a thing exists, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, that's pretty much where we're going. And we had to start very niche because with a matchmaking platform, it's always demand and uh, like how many people you have on there that need a service and how many services you have there to match with them. So we had to start very small, but the end goal is it's the whole world and everything, everything in events in one place. I like it. Um, I don't know if you're open to talking about this, but I would love to understand to, to kind of dig into the business model a little bit and how you see that working now or ideally working when you have this this kind of much larger product. Of course, um, no, I'm I'm happy to talk about it in in general. I like to be transparent because I feel like it's it's good to not have any secrets. Um, we momentarily have. Uh, kind of referral setup so the moment that someone actually chooses the platform via our matchmaking tool we get a small percentage on the deal value of the first year after that if they choose to stay with them that's fine and that was kind of just because we wanted to test it out we didn't want to make them put huge amount of money um, already out there for something that hasn't been developed yet now that we have our MVP and we're starting to work on the second version, we are introducing more of a flat fee model, which allows them to lower that percentage that they have to um, kind of pay us and allows them to get a lot of external visibility because we are also growing on LinkedIn and social media. Um, so we give them more like almost media options like they can do a shared article with us uh, we'll share it on our social medias we'll give them consultancy how they can improve not just their listing but also their platform so we try to add as much value as possible to that those first movers because we really want to give them a thank you so they have like the the lowest price it will ever be for the most value you will ever get uh, kind of situation right now and from January onward when we have the second version live then that will be the standard um, some of the things we offer right now will be taken out of it because um, yeah, it's also important for us to have a stable cash flow and then we can grow the platform a lot faster because that's the kind of thing we are right now obviously we have to improve the user experience to make the conversion rate on the platform higher but we also need to make sure that there's as much traffic coming as possible. So they actually get the right amount of leads. Uh, the more platforms we will have, the more traffic we need in order to provide all of them with a lead. I truly believe that you know every event needs a different type of platform for a specific experience that you have in mind. So there should be a lead for everyone. Um, but at the moment we are just in the early stages. So we really need to scale. Um, so that's mainly the reason behind it for users. It's absolutely free, um, in the future when, you know, we establish a point where we can give you advice on pretty much anything, which is not only the services and all the event professionals you can get, but also tips and tricks because we will try to gather as much data as possible on all those events 
to kind of give recommendations. Oh, you're going for this type of event, this type of setup. These are things that worked well for people. These are things that didn't work well. Kind of give them a lot more than just a match. And at that point, we will start introducing a freemium. So you can still get uh, a basic match for free. But then you can have a profile as an event professional that uses this tool as their day-to-day, their go-to tool um, to get a lot more value out of the platform. But that's uh, long, long-term, long-term. I like it. That's a, that's a pretty complete uh, product map that you've, you've outlined there. And, and I, I imagine that you've used some of your skills that you learned working with sponsorship in talking and, and in negotiating these things. How has how has that been when you talked with uh, with platforms? Has there been you know have they all jumped in? Has there been a lot of kind of you know some really like it, some don't? How how is the kind of overall the experience there? Um, well, I was kind of surprised that all of them were super happy that there was a tool like this, and they didn't make a problem of being next to a competitor on the platform because all of them believe that. If we are not the best match, then you're better off with a different platform because otherwise we will disappoint you and we don't want to have disappointed customers. We only want the perfect match for us. And they really see the value in only getting highly sales qualified leads, not someone who's just doing a demo because they have to do a hundred demos, but really doing a demo or requesting a quote because they know this is the right platform for me which makes their sales process a lot easier. Um, At the moment, in terms of selling a a package, we kind of introduce it to a few partners just to to get their point of view on on where we're going. It's very evident that, yeah, they just want to have a lead as soon as possible. And then the return on investment for them becomes very clear because if they get one lead from us, they already have a return on investment on the package, so then it's a no-brainer. At the moment, we ha- um, <clears throat> sorry, we haven't been uh, able to gather an awful lot of people to the platform uh, because we also did a soft launch. We haven't really announced it a lot, yeah, announced it in a big way. We at the beginning we didn't even had a link from our website to the tool, so people were like, "Is your tool even? <clears throat> is your tool even live?" Um, but yeah, that is going to change because there are a lot of good things coming up. As I mentioned, we are doing a podcast very soon as well. So like in terms of marketing, we're ramping that up. We're adding advertisement. Um, we're going to activate our partners and the people in our community to talk a lot more about what we're doing to get the word out there. And then it should be a no-brainer for them because the moment they have one, literally one lead from us that they sell their platform too they have a return on investment and that gives them a no-brainer and gives us a lot of cash flow or enough cash flow let's put it like that Um, it's not huge numbers but it's it's enough to sustain what we're currently doing without having to run to a big investor because obviously it sounds great to go to a big investor get a lot of money and do everything you ever dreamed about but um, first of all i don't want someone to come in that doesn't have the same vision as we are currently having that wants to change things. Like for instance, um, I am not a fan of advertising. Oh, this is the best platform or this is our preferred platform just because they pay us the most. 
um, I feel like it should be as as clean as possible. Um, so if I fill in these answers, only the ones that match my answers should show up and not someone who just happened to pay because that kind of defeats the whole purpose of the platform. But if you have an investor, they probably want to have their return on investment as soon as possible. So that's kind of not the way we'd like to go. We prefer to have it, as I mentioned, built by event professionals for event professionals. Um, and then we have to just look at ways how we can add value to our current environment, our current ecosystem, so to speak, um, so we can generate the cash flow needed to grow um, from that. Uh, and that's where we're currently at. Thanks for sharing all that. I think that's that's really interesting, and and uh, I like the fact you're you're so transparent uh, with with this side of things. It's it's really um, refreshing, and yeah, I, I think we feel the same way. It's skip meetings, at least from us as as a media company. It's very important that we are impartial, and it's you know we can't go and say X. You know, company X is better than X uh, than company Y. It just doesn't make sense. So, totally in agreement there. Uh, Marin, thank you so much for sharing this vision with us. I think it's uh, it's fascinating and I think it's very ambitious, um, way more ambitious than I think most people would think at first, you know, when they see the platform. So I think it's it's interesting to follow this journey. Um, wanted to just kind of talk to you a little bit about, are there any kind of things in the industry that you would change? And if you pick out maybe one that you would actually really want to change, um, if you could? um there are a few things i would like to change but one of the things i think the main thing for me um is more on how the industry is currently formatted more or less i think there are a lot of bubbles within the event industry of people that have their go-to group of experts that they have been working with for over 20 years which is great because you know what you can expect um but it does mean that it, in my opinion, limits the growth or the potential growth of the industry because there's a lot less cross innovation happening or um, people, for instance, in the Netherlands, they have you know a lot of different event organizers in the Netherlands. Great, but they never go or most of them don't go uh, on a more international scale where I have experienced it uh, as in I've quite some connections right now from all places over the world different event professionals and it really helps to get different perspectives to see there are also a lot of similarities um but really get that conversation go going in a in a bigger sense and i think that's what i would like to see happening is the industry coming together not just in their bubbles but also out outside of those bubbles really connect from all over the world and become kind of a cohesive industry where you share your experience share your learnings not try to keep everything to yourself but really learn from others and and make it as good as possible because i think that's where we're all striving for and in my opinion that is what needed that is what is needed uh, for the industry right now perfect love that answer breaking the bubble uh, thinking outside the box kind of going outside uh, yeah and i think it's it's much needed as you say Marin, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and getting to know you a bit better and getting to know the project a bit better. I uh, wanted to get your recommendation on someone we should uh, have on the podcast. I uh, I also gave this some thoughts and actually a few hours ago, I got off a 
the first recording of our uh, podcast with Vanessa Lovat, and I would highly recommend you to invite her um, for the next episode. She is a very inspiring event professional with experience both as an event professional and in the event tech. So she has insights from a lot of angles and in general, just a very pleasant human being to have a conversation with. We like having conversations with pleasant human beings. I think that's a, that's a good standard. And thank you for being a pleasant human being today uh, with us. Um, that's all we have time for. So once again, thank you for your time. Good luck with everything. I wish you lots of success. And I'm sure we'll keep in touch and, and follow the journey. And hopefully the, the listeners will find it interesting and also follow the journey along with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Miguel. It was a pleasure to be a guest.